Welcome to the Messages Podcast with Every Nation NYC. We are here for you to know God, grow together, discover purpose, and make a difference in New York City and beyond. Please check out our Facebook and Instagram at Every Nation NYC. Enjoy the message. This church is getting a lot of stuff done. I love celebrating our kids every Sunday. I love celebrating our our campus all the time. I love seeing all of the things that we're doing this month as well. We're getting to bless and we've uh, we've collected a bunch of clothes that are going out to the migrants that have recently moved into our city. We love supporting the people that, that need help in our city and this church is doing an incredible job at giving and giving and giving. And it's because of your generosity we were able to expand our home base at 414 West 51st Street and purchase that apartment above us. We're still celebrating your generosity and the goodness of God that's moving through this house. Yeah. It is so good. So good to be in a church that is alive today. Alive with families, alive with people coming to know Jesus, alive with you and alive with the power of God. Whatever got a hold of Randy today, is it's getting a hold of me. I've wept hearing stories and seeing your faces a couple of times already this morning. Just God is doing things in each one of us, and I love celebrating all that God is doing in this big, beautiful, diverse home. We're a part of a church today. This is church. Yeah. Next week, we're gonna celebrate as God adds to this house not just another person or another family, but a whole nother congregation. Because a Chinese church that meets in Queens has reached out to us and we met with them and their leadership recently with Pastor Bishop Ron here and they've decided to join us as an every nation church in our city. And so if you're with us here or online next week, then you'll get to meet Pastor Luke his family, and some of his leaders, these people are extraordinary. Some of them have been imprisoned for the gospel, but they continue to plow forward and share and preach and, and if necessary, flee and come to America and start brand new churches here as well. So God is expanding our footprint here in, this, uh, in the city, in this church. I love being a part of this church. Speaking of love, it's Valentine. Valentine season, Valentine Day, it's coming up. My Valentine is off taking care of a baby somewhere. But man, when I started to get to know her, some of my, some of my tastes and things that I like started to change. Have you, have you ever experienced your desires changing or shifting based on the loved ones around you? When we started dating, I, I liked a bunch of sugar in my tea and in my coffee. And then all of a sudden, this woman entered my life and said, you want how many sugars in your tea? And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm sweet enough as it is. <laughs> you, can, you can hold the sugar today, babes. You know, this, it's all good. I'm sweet enough. And I did it at first to try to look good in front of this girl that I was, you know, dating and getting to know. But as time passed, I'd slip a little sugar in there and go, you know what, this is gross. Or I'd go back to my old drink at Starbucks, you know, with the vanilla latte and the this and the that, and I'd be like, this is sickly, clawingly sweet. This is, you know what, I am sweet enough, thank you very much. <laughs> my desires had shifted based on the things that I loved. 
My desires had shifted based on the things that I had loved. Our society often wants to elevate our desires to the place that they are unchangeable, insurmountable, and even your very identity, and to place all your eggs in that desire basket. But our desires like to change. Our desires like to shift over time, and today I want to take the long view and look at where our desires can end up if, we, if and as we walk with the Lord. To take the long view, to start to shift our desires around and move from a place of duty toward God to delight in God. To shift from duty in God to delight in God. My mom, Lynette, is here on the second row, and she shared with us about how she learned when she, when she was maybe in college, how you needed to eat five living things every day, right, Lynette? Got to eat your five alive every day. And so she would take all those five alive, stick them in a blender, and eat them every morning. And every morning I go over to her home, whether we're on vacation or in her apartment, she says, Nathan, do you want a smoothie? And I say, I've, I've already eaten. Because <laughs> that smoothie's disgusting. <laughs> but I know to Lynette, it tastes like life. It's delight to her, and it brings her life from the inside. And it's not about what it tastes like. It's about what it's going to do on the inside of us. And so I want to offer us something that will bring us life today. It might not taste good at first, but over time, it's going to affect our taste buds as we shift from what we know and love today into what we know and love as valuable is going to shift us from duty towards the Word of God to delight in the Word of God. I'm not promising a New York Times bestseller list read, though it has been consistently every year on the New York Times bestseller list, except that they leave it off because they're so bored of printing that King James Bible at the top of their list every single year. They could just forget about it. They would like to forget about it and cancel it. But friends, it is a great read if you can get into it. And so we want to read together from Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is something like 170 verses long. It's the longest, I'm sorry, I can't even remember. It might be 200 and something verses long. But all but five verses explicitly mention the Word of God in some way. And it's this sonnet to the Word of God. It starts with the letter A and moves all the way through the Hebrew alphabet to the letter B. Z or whatever it is. I don't know the Hebrew alphabet. But it's, a, it's got an eight-verse stanza for each letter. And what this is saying is the word of God from first to last. The word of God from day one to day final. The word of God, may it resonate and resound through my heart and through my life in every way, in every place from A to Z. May it be the word of God. And so if you would, please, let's stand together, and we're going to read a stanza from this, eight verses from Psalm 119. And my encouragement is the words come up on the screen. Make this your prayer. This might not be where your heart is today, but make it your prayer that God, our hearts, would shift with you from duty to delight. So let's read together Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law.
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Father God, turn our hearts to you, God. May we move to a place where we delight in your word, where we delight day by day to spend our time with you, where we can learn your precepts and meditate on your testimonies, and that it would cause in us wisdom that tells us and shows us exactly the right things to do at the right time. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in a series called The Refresh Life, and today we're closing it out. We started by learning how the Word of God gives us a new way to order our days and to order our steps and to change our life. Then Pastor Shino preached the middle part. He preached on a fresh desire, God changing and turning our heart onto his testimonies. And then he also talked about the all-in life, and today I want to close it out by talking from duty to delight. This stanza is opens up with this. Oh, how I love your law. And I don't know about you, but I've never looked at a law and thought, now that, that's a law. <laughs> there's, a bit of a, there's a bit of a juxtaposition here. There's a bit of a discrepancy going on between my heart and the psalmist's heart. But he then enumerates, this is what it looks like to love your law. And I'd like to take a look at at least seven things that we can tease out of this that it looks like to love the law of God. First is what we think about all the time in verse 97. He says, I meditated on it all day long. It's just what's on our mind. The rules of God, the law of God. Because in the law, as we talked about in week one, the law is the revelation of God himself. This is what's in his heart. This is what justice looks like inside of him. This is what is on his mind and on his heart. And so even though law sounds boring, it's the revelation of what God is like and what he would like for our lives to be like. So when we start to tap into it, we're tapping into him. So we meditate on it all day. We follow it all the time, even under stress. In verse 98, it says, it's made me wiser than my enemies, and I keep it. It's ever with me. I don't know about you, but when I get stressed, when there's enemies or haters in my life, when I want to destroy somebody, I'm not often reaching for the word of God and going, God, now how should I be living in this moment? I'm often thinking, now what do I feel and what do they deserve? But I keep it. And because I keep it, in moments of stress, when I'm dealing with a stressed out boss or a client that hates my guts, I'm able to walk wisely because I'm keeping your law in a moment of anxiety. It forms my habits. I keep your precepts in verse 100. It stops us from doing wrong. It holds back my feet from every evil way. So it actually affects the way that we live. That's an evidence of the love of the law of God in our life. It stops us from doing wrong. It also turns our heart towards God. In 102 it says, turn, don't turn. I don't turn from your rules for you have taught me. Saying, it's not just about the rules, but also who taught me those rules? Like if I started adding sugar back into my tea, it would be like a, I'm cheating on my wife or something. Because she taught me the better way of the sugarless coffee and the sugarless tea. Now, obviously I'm joking. However, who taught you something means more often than what they taught you. And we start to love the God that taught us his ways as we study them and apply them into us. It's you who taught me these things. 
then our tastes change, and the word of God starts to become sweet. Again, in 103, it's sweeter than honey on my mouth. Now, for me and you, sweetness abounds. There's refined sugar probably in every one of our homes. There's refined sugar in every tomato sauce that we buy from the grocery store. It's everywhere. It's prolific. But in ancient times, sweet things were rare. There's only a couple sources of sweetness, one of them honey. Now, honey, again, we can buy that on the shelves of our grocery store, but it used to be exceedingly expensive, or you had to go off the beaten path and fight some bees and steal their honey like some poo bear and bring it back to your home. And so if you had some honey, you had invested some money. If you had some honey, you'd gone on an adventure to dig it out of somewhere dangerous. It was worth something. It's not like the abounding white stuff that is in everyone's fridge, or excuse me, in everyone's cupboard today. It was rare, it was costly, it was adventurous, it was value, valuable, and let's be honest, it tastes oh so very good. Sweeter than honey. I have to go on an adventure. The things that I pull out of my, the word, they're hard fought. The lessons learned are hard fought. I love hearing when God is starting to open up the word to some of us, maybe for the first time, or maybe we've been walking with God for so long, and here's distilled wisdom that God has taught somebody. It's been hard fought. I love talking to my Uncle Rex. His lessons have been hard fought. And now when he passes them on to me, they're valuable because they're coming from the word of God and because they're coming from my Uncle Rex. I love talking to my dad and Lynette about where, what God has been speaking to them because, again, the lessons are hard fought, won from the word of God with adventure and with life and with skin in the game. They're not just some sort of flippant thing like the sugar of today. It's hard fought honey from the word of God. We have to go on those adventures to find the sweetness in the word of God. And then finally, it keeps us from falsehood. Falsehood tastes foul to us when we've been around truth. Something artificial tastes disgusting to us. I hate every false way. Finally, there's fruit. There's wisdom. There's understanding. In the, in the, there's prudence and there's discernment that comes from the word of God. It says, I'm wiser than my teachers. I've got more wisdom than the, the aged, the elders in my life. I'm also wiser than my enemies. What is this saying? It's not saying that you're smarter. When I was a kid and I would read this, I was like, man, this sounds like a shortcut to my schoolwork. <laughs> that's, not what, that's not what the psalmist is saying. You see, there's a difference between book smarts and wisdom. Wisdom is knowing and doing the right thing from the perspective of God. He says, I'm wiser than the elders in my life because I do the things that you're telling me to do. If only age and obedience were absolutely correspondent, they're not. They're not corollary. You have to choose as we grow more mature with the Lord, continue to choose to obey him. Just because we did it before doesn't mean that we get to now stop doing it. No, we have to do it more and more and more. And so may the wisdom of God continue to grow in each of our lives. So the psalmist loves the word of God. It's sweet to him. He loves it. He meditates on it all the time. 
And for us, there might be a discrepancy. <laughs> a little gap between how this guy talks about the Word of God and how I feel about it. Because sometimes I read the Word and it's dry. It's like a dry old piece of bread. <laughs> sometimes I read it and it's bitter. It's telling me that I need to live differently. It's telling me I need to be more generous. It's telling me I need to love unlovely people. It's bitter. It hurts. It feels like a knife sometimes. Chewing on gravel sometimes. It's not always like honey. And so sometimes there's a discrepancy between love for the Word of God and sweetness like honey. And I don't want to paint some sort of picture where, like, this is where Pastor Nathan is. And if, there's, if you're not there, then there's something wrong with you. That's not the case. We go through seasons and times all the time, but I would like to highlight maybe some reasons why there's a discrepancy and start to work on our hearts so that our lives can come to find the word of God sweet. Maybe again or maybe for the first time. So why is there a discrepancy? What can we do about it? First, I'd like to encourage us to take the long view. This book, one, it's big. Two, it's dense. Three, it's ancient. Four, it's written as meditative literature. You're not just supposed to be able to crack it open and go, oh, here it is. Here's the right answer. It's more to work on our hearts. It's more to learn about God. It's more to meditate on it, to chew on it, to work it into our life and our lifestyle. It takes a long time. We want fast results. We're used to fast results. We live in a society of fast results. This is not one of them. So if you come to it expecting, well, I'm just going to get the right answer. I'm going to know who to marry. I'm going to know the job to get. I'm going to know exactly what to study. I'm going to know exactly which apartment to buy or not to buy. I know exactly which cryptocurrency to invest in, which one's definitely not to. You're not going to find those answers here, and you're going to go, this thing is bitter. I don't get it. I've heard the Bible taught to me as the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth, and that is garbage. It's setting you up for false expectations. There's nothing basic about it. There's very little instruction about it. And I think that we follow the, 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 the word of God after we leave earth as well. So there's nothing true in that little pithy statement. Basic instructions before leaving earth, my foot. The B-I-B-L-E, but yes, that is the book for me. Um, that one works, I guess. But it takes work. Takes work. So take the long view and start to work it into us. Maybe we need to go back to how Pastor Pre Shino preached about fresh desire. Yeah. Psalm 119, verse 33, a little bit earlier, the psalmist says this Give me understanding. Lead me in your path and your commandments. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Confirm to your servant your promises that you may be feared, turn me away from reproach that I dread, and for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts, for your righteousness gives me life. Maybe you're not yet at verse 97, maybe you're more at verse 33, but take the long view and start to work these things into you. They will pay off. They will pay off. It will pay off. Maybe it's more duty right now. You're, you're drinking your vegetables because that's what you've been told to do. That's fine. Drink your vegetables. It doesn't matter if you like the smoothie or hate the smoothie. The smoothie will get in you and do the same thing that the smoothie do. 
Lynette says amen. <laughs> Drink your five alive, eat your five alive, get the thing of life inside of you, get the word into you. It doesn't matter how it tastes, get it into you. And over time, take the long view, I guarantee it, when you're on your five, six, seven, reading through your Bible every day, it's going to change in texture, it's going to change in, in consistency, it's going to change in sweetness level, it will taste sweet because you're gonna realize this thing is life to my bones. <laughs> and nourishment to my body. And it's made me wiser than my teachers and more wise than the elderly. It's given me something that nobody else has. There's an X factor on my life and I cannot explain it except for the word of God. And so frankly, dear church, tell your feelings where to sit and do what is good for you. Take the long view. Secondly, let's start to examine our habits. Examine our habits. We like to think that our habits are formed out of what we love. We like to think, man, if I, say you want to start running. I've talked about how I want to start running, right, Pastor Shane? I want to start running. I'm going to start running. I'm going to start running. All right, okay, I'm going to, I might start running again. But we like to think, you know, if we want to start running, then we, we like to think about it. <laughs> Maybe buy ourselves a new pair of shoes Oh, now I'm going to start running. Buy a new running watch. Oh, now I'm going to start running. And then we're like, man, my heart, come on, heart, you're going to want to start running. I'm going to, I'm going to want to start doing this soon. And then the habit just never really comes because we like to think that we form a habit from our head to our heart to our habit, but that is not how a habit forms. It's not how we change our habits. What we have to do is work ourselves, so we like to, I, I, I don't know what this slide is saying, what we want to do <laughs> is we have to go from our head to a habit and let that habit affect our heart. Head to a habit, and then that habit forms our hearts. Our hearts don't form our habits, our habits form our hearts. Our habits form our hearts. If you want to be a runner, then you have to start running, hate running, suck wind, fall behind the old ladies that are outrunning you on Central Park. Let them outrun you, because their hearts changed a long time ago. And after six months, your heart might start to catch up to your habit. But it doesn't work from the head to the heart to the habit. The new shoes won't make you love running. The new watch won't make you love running. Watching the right YouTube videos on your technique won't, let you, won't help you love running. I've tried it. I've tried it. I've tried it. I tried that. And I'm still not running. And I know what's wrong. It's that I have not carved out time in my day to run since I had a baby. I've not carved that out yet. I'm carving out time to pray more. I'm carving out time to read my Bible more. But because running falls behind those things, I've not yet done it. And so I'm not beating myself up today. I know exactly where I am in my habit formation. I've said some other things before my running. And that's why I'm not running today. But I'm going to get there. But I've prioritized some other things and set some other things as habits in my life 
so that my heart can tune to sing the praises of God, can tune into what the Spirit of God is doing, can tune into what the Word of God has for my life and for my family. I would rather tune to that than be fit at this moment. The fitness is coming, but for now, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So I'm setting up those habits, building that into a foundation again. It's like every, you know, it's a major change. I had my third baby, y'all. If you've not had, if you've had a baby, you know exactly where I am. If you've not had a baby, you, you can grow in a lot of grace and love me, and then one day you might have a little bit of enough grace to love a baby, because my goodness, uh, the shift is coming. What I'd like for us to do, though, is examine our habits. Examine our habits. By the way, this um, head, habit, heart thing, it works for everything. Works for your Bible, obviously. Works for running. Also works for your spouse. Feeling dry towards your spouse. Feeling dry towards your kids. Go serve them. And don't serve them because you're going to get the good feels. Oh, no, 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 no. Serve them because that's what God has called you to do. Serve them for... Uh, I believe it's Shanti Feldman says, do a 30-day kindness challenge where you say nothing bad about your spouse for 30 days or the person that you're trying to love more. Say nothing bad about them in private or in public or to them. Bite your tongue back for 30 days. Instead, compliment them once every day and try to find one way to bless them every day and see if your heart does not follow the habit that you've set for 30 days. This works for everything works for running, works for the word of God, but examine your habits. Your heart follows your habit, not the other ways, way around. So examine your habits. Because every day you wake up, there is a monster preaching to you what your habits have reinforced, and you are participating in a reinforcing narrative around your life. Every day you wake up and reinforce the narrative that you believe about your life, and there is a monster that is out to dig his claws into you and tear you into the narrative away from God, away from God's reality, away from what he wants to impart into your life, away from the nourishment and the sweetness of his word. The, there is a monster trying to reinforce a narrative that is happening in your life. And the question is, will we agree with this false gospel, will we agree with this false reality, or will we preach a different gospel to the monster? I learned about this from a man named Justin Early in his book called Habits of the Household. And he writes this. When the first thing that we do in the morning is roll over and grab my phone, begin scanning work emails, I wake to the monster of performance. And the story of reality is about what can I get accomplished today and whether I can justify my own existence. When I begin in the morning in social media, I wake up to the monster of comparison and envy. And the story of reality is about the pictures of other people's lives and whether I can measure up. When I begin my morning in the news headlines, the monster of fear and anger jump through the screen at me. And the story of reality is about how the world is falling apart and how mad I should be at those other people who just don't get it. Or when I lie in bed and recount all of the today's do lists, to-do lists, or I jump up and immediately start doing them, rushing around to get everyone out the door on time, I wake up to the monster of busyness. And the story of reality is just how there's not enough time and there's too much stuff to ever get done in a single day. There's a monster sitting on you morning by morning. 
And the question is, will we examine our habits and the storyline that we're playing into morning by morning by morning? There is a false gospel that is trying to drag you away from God, trying to drag you away from peace, trying to drag you away from spending time with the one thing that can give you life. And at some point, dear saints of God, it's time to rise up and tell that monster, there is a king seated on, his, seated on the throne. His name is Jesus, and your knee, along with my knee, must bow before his throne. It's time to tell your monsters who's king. It's time to tell your monsters who's the boss of your life. It's time to get in charge of your life and submit it to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Examine the gospel that you're preaching through your habits morning by morning. Examine your life and put it to the king. Monsters, it's time to die. It's time to get out of my life. If you feel like I just can't measure up, well, he died for me and he's justified me and it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. If you feel like you're trying to justify your own existence, again, he died for me, he's justified me. If you can't measure up, he came down to lift me up and now I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. If you feel like you have to judge other people who just don't get it, remember, dear saints, that you were of the team that just didn't get it. And Jesus went outside of the camp to bring us into a new covenant with him. If you feel like there's never enough time, rise up and say, today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. His mercies are new every morning, and there's enough worry for today, so I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Jesus, I trust you today. Preach the gospel to your monster until his knee bows before the throne. Preach the gospel to your heart until your habits find their home. Preach the gospel, dear saints, to yourself until you believe it, until it's sweet, until it's affected every element of your life. Quit living tossed to and fro by the winds. That's why we've got to dig in and build foundations upon the rock and why we're going to do it together through the purple book. If you've not been with us, that sounded really weird through the, what? Did he shift? Is this another book? No, we're not Mormons. It's okay. Um, what this is, is this is a book that's going to help you get into this book. This is a book that's going to help. It's like lifting weights day by day. And I encourage you, get one of these books out back and then get one of these books in the flesh. Get a, get a real paper book, book Bible. <laughs> If you don't have one, buy one. If you can't afford one, talk to me. I'll buy you one. I'll buy you three. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to get us in a paper Bible and start to flip through. It's going to tell you, turn to this chapter and verse, and you're going to go, what chapter and verse? There's a book called what? And you're going to go to your concordance in the front and then turn to that, and you're going you're gonna to figure it out, and you're going to start to learn where the books of the Bible are, and you're going to start to wear grooves in your physical Bible, and you're going to start to underline in your physical Bible because it's going to start to turn into something sweet for you, and you're going to go back to that verse and go, man, I was feeling it. Where, where God, where are you talking to me from? I can't remember. And you're going to go back into your Bible and read it, then you're going to read it in context. It's going to take on a whole new meaning, and you're going to learn from the Bible because God wants to speak to you through his word, and you're going to tell those monsters to sit at the foot of Jesus. Preach the gospel day by day. Make a habit of it until your heart follows. Don't be waiting for the feels. 
It's not going to flow out of you. Even this morning, it's barely flowing out of me. I'm stumbling over all my words. I don't know what's wrong, but it's not going to flow out of you like that at first. It's going to take some time. But there's going to come a time where a thought enters your head and you're going to go, wait, that's not what my Bible said. That's not what my king said. That sounded like an automatic negative thought. And you're going to be able to refute it with the word of God and say, no, not today. Today is not going to be a bad day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it, even if it is a bad day, because I know who the king is and I know where I'm going. You're going to tell that negative thought where to go. You're going to tell that monster who's on the throne. Finally, so we've looked at desires. We've looked at the discrepancy. There is a different message in this Bible, and that message is done. Done. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. And there is a difference between good advice and good news. Good advice and good news, there's a huge difference because every other philosophy, every other way of life, every other self-help guru, every other person on the internet is trying to give you good advice. And what I'm trying to do is allow the good news of what God has done for you into your heart. I'm giving you good news today. God wants to give you good news. If you were a king or a queen sitting in your castle and you sent out your army against the invading armies, and your army lost, then what would come back as advisors saying, if we make this move and we make this move, then we can finally win the battle. But what Jesus is giving you today is not good advisors with good advice. He's bringing you a herald today named Nathan Lewis that's bringing you good news because the battle is won and it's time to celebrate. It's time to walk like a victorious Christian. It's time to get our heads up and get our hearts up and set our habits right because you're not a loser and you're not just trying to make it and you're not trying to justify your own existence and you're not trying to measure up to anybody on your newsfeed, and you're not trying to tell those horrible people to get it right because we know where our victory lies. There's good news. Can we just get our heart into it? It's done. It's done. The Bible is not about some distant God who's trying to get you to do better. It's trying to think, man, if only my son or my daughter would just get it right. The Bible is a message of God's love that he's already expressed to you. He's already demonstrated to you in the person of Jesus Christ. It's a message about a God who would cross oceans, who would fight monsters, who would hang on a cross, who'd pour out his blood to bring you in. This message is not about a distant God. It's not about a God who wants you to do better. It's not about a God who thinks if only my kids would measure up. It's about a God who loves you. The Bible's not some instructions. It's not advice. It's a story about a God who loves you. So God, I pray that you'd help us. Forgive us, Lord, for how we've mistreated your word, maybe as a weapon against our enemies, maybe as some like slot machine lottery thing that if we just flip it open to the right place, it's going to give us the right answer. Forgive us, God, for treating our 
affiliation with you, like some sort of membership where, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian because I went to church and my grandparents went to church or I went to the church this one time, as opposed to a relationship that works its way into our hearts. So God, I pray that you teach us your word. Teach us your gospel. Teach us to command those monsters where to go. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Messages Podcast with Every Nation NYC. If you enjoyed our message, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps others hear the message of Jesus, and we really appreciate it. If you have yet to spend time with us in person, we would love to welcome you to one of our services. Visit everynationnyc.org to find all the info you need to attend a service. We will see you there.